What's going on, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the State of the Nova Nation podcast presented by the Hoops. I'm Emma Houghton, he's Pat Zhang, and we are coming at you after a three-game Villanova win streak. Only the second time this season that that has happened. I think generally Nova Nation is feeling extremely positive going to a very important stretch of play, Pat, which is something that we haven't seen too often this season. <laughs> so I'm feeling good about it. Nova Nation is definitely feeling positive because I have seen multiple tweets since the the game went final on Tuesday night about can Villanova finish the season undefeated? Can they drop one more it's game? Does Villanova have to win the Big East tournament to get in? <laughs> I'm starting to see it more and more. So it's a little different than things were a couple weeks ago. Uh, so Nova Nation most definitely feeling good after a senior night win over the Bulldogs. Man, it's, it's crazy what a few wins can do to lift the mood. <laughs> really? Especially is. on on the Twitter machine. But no, I, I, I love doing these positive episodes. You know that. 62 to 50 win over Butler to end the three-game home stretch on Tuesday night. Third straight, or excuse me, fourth straight game where Villanova has limited their opponents to under 65 points a game, which I think is mm-hmm. a huge credit to the improving defense. Yep, Another we're going to talk about that. Oh, yeah, another fully healthy game of Villanova basketball. Depth is, I think, quickly becoming a strength of this team. And we're going to be spending a lot of time on this episode looking towards the future because this upcoming stretch, like I mentioned in the open, is incredibly important. Mm -hmm. Providence at Xavier, home versus Creighton at Seton Hall, and then finishing up at home against UConn pretty much the cream of the crop there was a I I watched the beginning of the Marquette Xavier game and you'll see that the top four teams in the Big East have not lost at home so Villanova is going to have to go out and truly steal one to try and beat one of these top teams on the road but this is what the Big East Conference is is all about here coming down to the wire at the end because there's still no proven top team too no, I, I think your top two are very clearly Marquette and Xavier and Xavier, of course, struggling a little bit without Fremantle uh, in the rotation and Shaka just keeps winning uh, pretty much. Um, so I, those are the teams I feel the best about, you know, Creighton just had a, a tough one uh, there against Providence, uh, of course, on, on Tuesday night as well that we'll touch on a, a little later here, but as you said, conference, especially that top half of that conference is really good. But uh, I think you can make an argument for what, four or five teams, really? Yeah. Um. So that's what makes it so fun. Yeah. Top four are within a game of each other. Seton Hall, three and a half back behind them. And Seton Hall is not as good as those teams. Right. Even though they're right around yeah. there. And then UConn, Villanova, four and five back. So it's I think the the lower half of the conference has solidified itself for some of those Big East tournament seating options. The top is still wide open and as good as Marquette and Xavier are I think Providence and Creighton have both proven Mm -hmm. many a times that they can go out and play those teams extremely tough another fantastic night in the Big East on Wednesday night were you able to catch any of the games besides Villanova's or Tuesday night I should say uh, I was not because I was there that's right so I was all in it was I was was all in on Nova yes yeah oh my god so Two double overtime games, St. Joe's, St. John's, DePaul, and Providence Creighton. <laughs> you thought the Villanova game was good, guess again. And then Seton Hall got a win over Georgetown. Yeah, it's just the Big East tournament is going to be absolutely fantastic if these teams continue to play at the level that they're currently playing at. And speaking of, if Villanova can continue the way they're playing, albeit against tougher opponents, it's definitely getting a lot of people chattering about what the new ceiling of this floor is. Yeah, just a bit here. And the the most important part about Villanova trying to raise their ceiling, as you mentioned, is the defensive strides we've seen from them. So they did hold Butler to 50 points on the night to win that game, 62 to 50. And it's important that the defense is really improved because offensively, it's still not all that pretty. Um, from your Villanova Wildcats. So how do you overcome that? Well, you make massive strides defensively. And this was a team that not all that long ago, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe Ken Palm had them in like the 130s, 140s defensively. And after that game against Butler, they are up to 88th in the country. Now, 88th in the country may not stand out to you as a defensive juggernaut, but from where they were to where they are, that's a pretty big deal. 
and how to quantify that uh, over their last seven games, Villanova is allowing on average 61 points per game. If we just go back and take the previous seven games before that stretch, they were allowing on average 73 points per game. That is a 12 point swing. That's a crazy crazy hop uh, between those two numbers there. And I think it really underlines a team that has started to mesh a little better. It's a team that looks like they're more comfortable playing together, you know, in six of those seven games where they've allowed just 61 points per game, Justin Moore has been involved in those Jordan Longino involved in two of those. The freshmen of course have been out there a little longer. So you're starting to see a team make some strides and feel a little bit more cohesive rather than, uh, you know, a lot of the discombobulation that we saw way too often through the first, you know, six, eight weeks of the season. No, definitely. And I felt like the team did get a huge defensive boost that more came back. And we saw that same type of defensive streak when they were holding teams to under 60 or 65 points, whatever it was. The opponent caliber then was significantly weaker than it is now and and even though it's the DePaul's and Butler's that is still significantly better than the St. Joe's Pens and BC's that Villanova was seeing way earlier in this season and I think it is a result of this team meshing late and even though people might be discouraged or dis- disappointed by Justin Moore's statistical impact I think just having him on the court adds a layer of stability and leadership that this team hasn't had all season long. And it's no coincidence as to why the defense has looked so much better. Something I actually feel confident about is not how the offense looks, but how they are still able to get things done depending on what the other team gives them. We we knew that the Seton Hall game wasn't going to be an offensive masterpiece, same thing against Creighton, but they were able to either play those games really tough or come out with the win three straight, I think there is a lot of reason to feel really, really good going into this tough stretch. Yeah, I I think you can feel better about it. Listen, there's at least hope for it. I I still have my gripes and my doubts um, for a team that, that, you know, is going to go into this harder competition now. This is the show me time. You know, this is where you are facing just up in a row now uh, three teams in the top 30 of Ken Palm. And then if you stretch it out to the end, you know, UConn the Ken Palm champions as many joke on Twitter as their sixth ranked in the country as a born in a Ken Palm though, have had their struggles. Uh, we know how dangerous they can be. So it's, this was a very important three game stretch for Villanova to get some momentum going against a Paul Seton Hall and Butler. They seized their opportunity, which is something we have not been able to say about them thus far this season. Uh, that Seton Hall win is a nice win for sure. Show me what you can do now against some of these top dogs and, and, you know, show me what you can do on the road, a place where we have talked about many times Villanova's best road win this season's at Madison Square Garden, where we know Nova Nation is always there. So it, road game. yeah, exactly. So they, they haven't done it there. Show me you can do it now. And this is an opportunity. There are multiple quad one win opportunities. Again, another the word that you're just going to keep hearing here is opportunity uh, as we talk through the future. Nova's got a golden shot. And can they grasp that and find a way to continue to build off of that, to give them a chance, a chance to get into the big dance? Because three weeks ago, they had zero shot. Right. And that's the big difference here. We're not saying that this team is going to go out and sweep the table and go undefeated to end the season. We're not even saying. Oh, come on, do it. Say it. (laughs) (laughs) The people want it, Pat. The people want it so desperately. But we're not even saying this team is going to go out and win the Big East tournament. But there is a chance to really go out and steal a win against one of these big teams because in the here and now they achieved what they needed to do, which was win three straight at home. Yep. And that wasn't a given going into this three game stretch, especially against a team like Seton Hall that has proven that they can win really big games on the road. So I think that is a huge point of optimism. And I will start with the specific Butler recap a little bit. I think part of the reason why is because Eric Dixon showed a decent amount of defensive improvement against Butler on Wednesday night. He Manny Bates was a ginormous issue that I think you were mm-hmm. you and I were both extremely nervous about. In 35 minutes, only scored 12 points, limited to six of eleven from the field. Bates is a defense wrecker. And yes, you can yes. say that Dixon had a lot of help from the likes of Whitmore and Daniels and Slater, but I think if 
he continues on this upward trajectory when Villanova has to face the Ed Croswells, the Nungies, the Kalkbrenners, the Sonogos coming up in this schedule, I think you can feel a lot better about how this defense is going to be able to hold. That being said, Villanova still has a guard problem because hmm. Taylor went off for 20 points. And like we've mentioned before, it seems like everybody has tried or has tried to hit their career high against Villanova from a shooting perspective. But if we're just taking things slow, Dixon's defense against Bates was I was encouraging, I think. Yeah, so you hit on two points that I, I definitely wanted to touch on. For Bates, I, I thought he was solid but not spectacular. And you'll take that because Bates most certainly has the opportunity to to take over a game, especially where Villanova has struggled uh, on the interior side. Uh, additionally, on Jaden Taylor, we know he had a really good night, and he most certainly did. I was very impressed with what I saw from Taylor. However, I will take where he did his damage from. It was basically all mid-range jumpers from just inside the three-point line around the elbow. As we know, especially in this new analytics age of basketball, that is statistically the worst shot you can take. And you know what? If you're going to take those long twos and you're going to make them, I'd rather you take those than, than find ways to get to the basket or hurt me from three there. So I can deal with the damage that was done. It was just a really good night from him. I, I think that's a pretty solid defensive game plan, honestly, from Villanova. Interior-wise, I do think Dixon was better. I still don't think he's been great down there what i think's been very good is that cam whitmore is doing a better job on the low block and really using that strength and making things difficult they've been better at being able to bring help when they collapse uh in the interior now a part of that is that butler is a very poor three-point shooting team as well so it was a little easier for them to bring some help and i did think that when the guards like a justin moore or a caleb daniels were brought into the post they held their own and there wasn't a chance for Butler to really tear, tear them apart. Like we've seen some other teams when they've been able to get switches underneath the basket, uh, really go at Villanova. So I, I think you've seen some progression there. I thought defensive game plan wise was very solid uh, and Butler couldn't hit anything from deep. So you felt really comfortable about uh, really uh, over committing to stopping the post. Yeah. I do feel like one of Taylor's strengths was also in Butler's offensive strengths with, was pulling Dixon away from the basket so that he had to guard a guard like Taylor. And that was, there was literally a, a, a highlight package that CBS sports ran and every single basket that Taylor made Dixon was the primary defender. So mm. that's obviously not going to work in the long. That's what run, Seton but... Hall did not do at all on Saturday, right. by the way. And Dixon can hold his own underneath the basket. I wanted to ask you how you feel about Villanova's three-point defense because I do and this is previewing a, a question we got in our mailbag which I'm really mm -hmm. excited to get to in a little bit it has felt like the defense as it's been improving has been reminiscent of years past and not all the way there of course but reminiscent and I think a main part of that is because they've done better off screens have limited mm -hmm. teams from three and have also done a better job being versatile enough to guard multiple positions like you mentioned Whitmore down low and you mentioned more being able to guard pretty much any defensive assignment how much merit do you think that is to Villanova versus the quality of the opponent they're playing well I'm glad you said three-point defense not three-point offense because uh <laughs> it's two very different stories there uh but three-point defense no I have noticed that it's been better and it's the simplest thing that I've noticed and that's they're giving up a lot less wide open threes that we saw earlier in the season. There were so many times where just the communication was a mess. You know, when Kyle had tried to go to his zone, the, the rotations weren't correct. Uh, guys were getting caught up in screens. You're not seeing that as often. Now, this team hasn't just completely morphed defensively and is now going to be, you know, Houston or Baylor from the last couple of years. That, that's not going to happen. But what we have seen is the little things have gotten a lot better and, and they're quicker and things are more crisp. And I think there's a bit of a more understanding about how to be out there together and make sure you're covering the correct spaces and not have as many breakdowns as we saw there. And I, I do think the three-point defense has been a, a big part of that. Uh, and we've seen it come along with it. I, I, I really believe Cam Whitmore has been a massive linchpin in making this defense better. We know Cam Whitmore. He's a bit of a wild horse. He's got his drawbacks. We can talk about it all the time. But defensively, 
I think he's done a very good job at, at limiting things and making life harder on his opponents with his length, with his athleticism. I mean, some of the closing speed we saw from Cam yeah. out there on Tuesday was just ridiculous. So he's huge, you know, being able to add a Longino back most certainly does not hurt your three point defense. Justin Moore being in there, just adding solid defenders, stronger defenders to the guys that we saw out there in extended minutes earlier in the seasons. You know, think of your, your Hawsons, your Brizzies, your Archidiakonos, that uh, Trey Patterson, even that saw many more minutes earlier in the year. We've now kind of changed that out with more experience or just better defensive players. So I don't think it's a, it's a huge coincidence that things have started to get better here. No. And exactly that, that sums it up perfectly, right? We, we obviously had high expectations for this team at the beginning of the season, but when you just listed off those four players, Archie Diakono, Brizzy, Hausen, and Trey Patterson versus Longino, Whitmore, and Justin Moore, I think you can see the stark difference in reality and in expectations from what we wanted from this yeah, team. No so. surprise the numbers have gotten better. Right. It's, there's no wild miscommunications. There's no letting hogard shoot five for eight from three or stevie mitchell or andre jackson the oh, laundry list don't of bring players. up the andre jackson that's the right. one that still irks me the most that burned villanova at the early stretch of this season that isn't happening anymore you might not be thrilled with how the offense is playing you might not be thrilled with how the defense looks at time against really good offensive teams but that minimum 30 point jump in kempom rankings is no joke. That's no, a, a big serious deal. jump. It certainly is. It's a very big deal. And, you know, they, they've earned it. They have locked in on defense. They have been much better. We've killed them on defense, and they deserved it for, for much of the season because it's been a mess. But lately, it has been so much better. And, yes, to your point, you know, they, they've taken advantage of playing some of the, the worst teams in the conference in a Butler right. and DePaul in ways to improve those defensive numbers. But Hey, over those last seven games as well, you know, that factors in Providence Marquette and Creighton on, on top of it. This is not the 88 points that they gave up to, to Xavier in the beginning of January. This isn't the 79 points they gave up to Butler, which is inexcusable uh, at Hinkle Fieldhouse. You know, they have made strides, no matter what, when you look at that defensively. And I think that's what you hang your hat on. And that's what can get you excited if you are a believer in what this team can do down the stretch. Yeah. And even if you aren't a believer, I think you can see that the momentum is building upon itself. It's not like Providence, Marquette, and Creighton were blowout losses. They lost those three games. No, they were heartbreakers. Yeah. Combined. Right. So that has its own issues. <laughs> and we have detailed at length those issues and how frustrated it is and how much we hate the term moral victory after this season oh. but i think there is there is a lot to look forward to with this current batch of personnel that being said we were very hopeful and excited about villanova's lack of three-point attempts against seton hall over the weekend they seem to be back to their old ways eight for 28 from the three-point line and that is not going to cut it against teams as offensively talented as the feud that Villanova has coming up. So that is personally my biggest concern, why they seem to want to stray from going down low to Dixon, which they have seen time and time again work extremely well. And we are truly going to see this team tested when they have to score 65, 70 points in order to just keep pace with the teams coming up. So I don't know what they're going to do. It seems like Things are working, and then they go up and, and throw up almost 30 three-point attempts and only shoot 29% from that range. I'm taking a pause because I need to take a deep breath here. Um, <laughs> I, I was like, oh, boy. Yeah, oh, boy. Before before I discuss this, but no, straight up, I, I hated the offensive game plan. Um, they, they won this game on Tuesday night because they locked in defensively and held Butler um, to you know 21 percent from from beyond the arc and, and you know chuck harris wasn't able to get into any sort of rhythm and seamus lukosius didn't burn them from three they won this game because of their defense which is really not something we've been able to say this year so hats off to them for that uh offensively there is no excuse for this team after what they did on, on saturday night to go into this game and shoot 28 threes. I believe the number was actually 16 threes that they attempted in the first half. That is one more than they shot against Seton Hall in the entire game. Now, you can tell me that the game plan alters a little bit because Butler has Manny Bates in there to patrol the interior and, and the low post. 
I get that, and I will agree with you there. I can see a slight bump in here, but shooting more threes in the first half did in the uh, the entirety of the game on Saturday night is just mind numbing to me. So, and I so go Pat, for it. So my, yeah. my question is: so what's the difference between Manny Bates and Casey, and Casey and Defo? Defo? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Bates is a better shot blocker. I, I think Bates is a better interior defender, but not by that much to your point. So I, I totally get where you're coming right. from. We're splitting hairs. Yes. And and we've talked about this with the full 40 on the side. It doesn't feel like there's truly a rhyme or reason to these game plans based on opposing defenses. And I think that's what's so frustrating to me is, again, if Manny Bates was absolutely elite and Villanova has been going to Dixon, and they knew that Bates was just too big of a beast to conquer. They had to go to the three-point line. Fine. But there isn't a rhyme or reason based on that. It's not like they threw up a bunch of three-point shots against Ryan Kalkbrenner or Donovan Klinning. There's big guys in the Big East. So why does it change so much? And I'm not <laughs> I'm not asking you that. That's a I wish question. I knew. Oh, Emma, Emma, I wish I knew. <laughs> but that's what's so frustrating for the both of us. We just don't yes. get it. No, that is that is my big gripe is that I, I don't understand why you can see how good this team can be when they run things through the interior, when they use a slashing Brandon Slater, when they use Cam Whitmore, you know, to be able to be catch and shoot from three rather than pull up from three and trying to find opportunities for him to get into the basket, uh, you know, through a bounce pass or, or so. You know, we saw Whitmore's explosiveness to the rim where he beat Butler defenders a couple times baseline and just dunked all over them. That was great. That's awesome. I, I love to see that. And I, again, hope Cam continues to, to do that more. But I still, I cannot wrap my head around this team's uh, just propensity to continue to chuck them from beyond the arc. I mean, they shot 29% again. Like it, it's just, it is so cut. There have been a couple games where Villanova's had nice three point shooting games. Don't, don't get me wrong. And those are always great to see, but more often than not, I mean, it, it's been ugly. They are at 33% on the year. And that is good for 218th in the country. It, it, it does not line up and I know I'm a broken record on it, so I will stop, but yeah. it just, uh, I, I can't say I'm ever going to understand that one. No, I, it truly exhausts me to talk about this and same when I'm, I'm, tr- when I'm live tweeting during the games, because it is no joke. Every single time Villanova goes on an offensive drought, it's because the majority of their shots come from within the first five seconds of the shot clock, throwing up a contested three. How many times have we said that statement so far yeah. this season? Yeah, and then the hope is just that Caleb knocks one of these down. And right. the key was in the second half, he did. He hit a couple of them, uh, which were huge because Butler most definitely was not hitting any of them. But it just it sets you up for you know to allow for these other teams to uh, to make a run when when you go stagnant. And Villanova kind of makes themselves susceptible to going stagnant when they take they turn that offensive approach into such a long range one. Yeah, that stagnancy. We talked about the assist numbers and all that. I actually think Daniels clutch gene is a little bit underrated because it does feel like when Villanova needs a three he nearly always makes it and despite his shooting percentages Mm -hmm. I still consider him an above average three-point shooter but it does feel like he's taking at least seven or eight three-point attempts every single game and usually not making more than four of them those three or four come extremely opportune times exactly yeah but eight three-point attempts is too many for caleb daniels yeah it he's so streaky because he'll miss five of them in a row and then he'll hit three of them in a row yeah. is basically how how it feels like it comes down to with him so it his games always feel like they should be uh siphoned out into sectors mm-hmm. um because it's it so often we'll just go through different stretches with him um i you know i didn't think uh tuesday night was a particularly bad game i didn't think it was a particularly good game for him but yeah. he did hit some very important shots in the second half which i think yeah. are key to to touch on do you want to discuss justin more sure let's do it i'm just i'm a little bit torn because and i've mentioned this before like we are giving him all the grace in the world because Cal Neptune has now even come out and made it public that he is not even at 80% like we thought. It's closer to 70%. Same with Jordan Longino. And those guys have given it their absolute all offensively and defensively. I am starting to get a little bit concerned, though, especially because late game execution has been such a problem for Villanova against really good teams. Moore has kind of been seen as the savior. As soon as he comes back, we'll have that fixed because Moore is going to be the guy who takes the shot. I'm not sure he's proven 
that he can do that based on his shooting percentages since he's been back. Call me biased, but I'm not as concerned as you are okay. with, with Justin. And I think a part of that is just, it's all about expectations and that this is, he's still getting into a groove and he's still trying to find himself. And as we were talking last night, you know, I'm not sure we see fully in a groove Justin Moore this season. I'm not sure it's okay to even expect that, you know, coming back from uh, the injury that he is. What, what I've seen from Justin Moore, and it's what we talked about a little bit, already is that the defensive numbers are better i feel very trustworthy when the ball's in his hands zero turnovers on on tuesday night he's still getting to the basket though he is not hitting it at the clip that he did pre-injury which again i think is understandable i'm okay i would like him to cut down on some of the threes as well while he continues to find his legs because those most certainly haven't been pretty and he's still doing what he needs to do getting to the foul line and, and helping them go forward so is it beautiful Justin Moore as we saw you know the the first couple years here that really cemented himself as a star no but I still think it is such an incremental boost off of what has been out there and the steadiness that he brings that it's really important for this team and it's still a big step forward even though it has not been you know the dominant Justin Moore that we all know he can be right and he definitely makes everybody better around him. I mean, even yeah. in the free throw line, he was perfect six for six. I think he made one free throw against uh, Seton Hall. So he might have missed even... all of them too. Yeah, oh no, no, was it was one bad. point. No, he did make one because he yes, finished yes. with that one point. Yeah, right? it was a bad night for him. He no, he definitely struggled against yeah. Seton Hall. No, I feel the same way. I think he adds a lot of value to other places. I think my worry just comes from his hesitancy around the rim. Mm -hmm. It feels like he is trying to find that cutter or that shooter around the basket that doesn't exist like it did last year. So he might have to be forced to take the ball in his own hands and just finish around the rim or get to the line more because that three-point shot just isn't coming along at the rate that I no. think we all hoped, including him. And that's yeah. why he's throwing so many shots up. So again, it's been, what, four games since he's been back. It's even less of a Justin Moore than we expected. And I think it's still more than we could have hoped for. So you just got to take that as it comes and and know that this isn't the Justin Moore of last year that we're seeing out there every single time. Not just yet. Not, not just yet. He still needs some time to, uh, to get there. Um, so I'm, I get it, you know, I, I totally do, but I, I still think that he has brought them some, some pretty solid, uh, improvement there. Oh yeah. More morale improvement. At yeah. The least. Hey, and he backs down his guy and you know, he's a villain yep. of a guard that backs down his guy that he has not been shy of doing that. So I think that's fun to see. All right. You got anything more on Butler specifically before I ask you some hard hitting questions? I have two very quick things. Um, first I loved Mark Armstrong's energy on Tuesday mm. night. I love that he got to the rim um, and that he mm. utilized his explosiveness and, and was able to drive and get those two buckets there. That is the Mark Armstrong. That is the best version of Mark Armstrong. And I only hope we continue to see it more. And for Villanova, you know, we talked about the offensive struggles and it was a very rough offensive game. Do not get me wrong, <laughs> but what Villanova did, and it's something again, they haven't really done all that often is that they won on the margins on Tuesday night. You know, they only had seven turnovers, which is really important because this Nova team has been turning the ball over a lot lately, and they got it down to seven. Butler turned the ball over 11 times. They only allowed seven free throw attempts for Butler. You know, the, that's a way to allow teams to bail themselves out when they are not shooting Second the ball well. It, exactly. Uh, to take it on the flip side, that's exactly what Butler did wrong is that Villanova did not shoot the ball well, but they were allowed to get bailed out because they went to the line 19 times and made 16 of them. So being able to win the turnover battle, not foul that often, you know, do the little things on defense better. That's how you're going to win some of these games, especially <clears> while <throat> Villanova still can continues to struggle to find that offensive firepower that, that I think a lot of us are still hoping for. You're able to cut down on those mistakes and play a little smarter and, and win on some of those margins it's going to give you, put you in a better position to try and win some of these games. That's what happened on Tuesday. Yes. So that is actually the answer I was going to give to the question I was about to ask you. Oh, there we go. So Look at us I'm on the same take page. It first. Yeah, exactly. you take this one. My I'm going to sit it out. Is, what makes you think that this team can make a run in the Big East tournament? And then the other question is going to be what makes you think that this team can't? Make <laughs> I just gave it to you. So I, I, I opened the floor to you. <laughs> right? So what I was going to say, and I think to make it even more specific on your point is that I think this team's 
depth is becoming a strength. Not depth as in Mark Armstrong is going to score 15 points off the bench or Brennan Hawson is going to score five threes because we know that that's not realistic. The larger point is that they now have a lot of different guys who do a lot of different things well. I think we've lauded Kyle Neptune in the short sample size so far for making the right substitutions and putting the right guys in there in the right situations like Longino on defense, Armstrong on offense, Hawson out of timeouts for a quick shot, and so forth. But I think the minutes distribution is has just found its sweet spot. And I think for a guy like Archie Diakono specifically, those 10 minutes that he's playing and that he has generally this five to 10 minute range that he's been averaging since Moore has come back has proven that he has a lot of value that he can bring to this team. He is still going in there, grabbing a few rebounds, not turning the ball over, potentially disrupting a few passing lanes. Hawson and Armstrong, we know what they bring on the offensive side. And then Longino off the bench, we know what he brings defensively. So I have a lot of hope. Yes, it might be a little bit too late because the season is so late. But if this team was this way all season long, I think we would be talking in a much different different sphere at this point in the season because they just have a lot of different skill sets on this team that I think they're now able to utilize at full strength. That's fair. I I see where you're going with it. I just take it a different way that I actually think where Villanova thrives now is its quality and its starting five, and I don't mm. trust the depth. I think the, I think the five they send out there of Whitmore, Dixon, Slater, Moore, Daniels, I like that, and I like that a lot, and I think you can interchange a a Longino and a Slater. I do not trust that they are going to be able to go seven, eight, nine deep for guys to be able to make an impact based off of what we've seen. So I think the quality of their main guys now with Whitmore back, well, not back, but with Whitmore growing more into the game, with more coming back, that I feel stronger about it. I still don't trust the depth because I don't think those guys – have proven that they can make a sort of consistent impact uh, upon things. So see the point. I just take it a little differently. So I guess my counterpoint is that I think the reason why a lot of them have improved is because the bench has been there to bail, been there to bail them out at times. Hmm. I'm not saying, you know, I'm not expecting Hawson to go out there and make those type of shots. I'm still very hesitant and have a lot of trepidation about what Armstrong can bring when the team really needs him. Yeah. I just really like that they can go seven deep and Arch can bring this type of value because we all knew that it was a little bit tainted when he was playing 30 minutes a game, 30 yeah. plus minutes wasn't a game. Ideal. So I just, I felt, I feel like the team has found its rotational groove and you probably agree with that. Yes, I do. Uh, I definitely do. I like, I like where it's getting there. I still think Hawson and Archidiakono are the month, the minutes that you can, interchange a little bit mm-hmm. more and maybe you know see how they balance out on a game by game basis depending on what game plan um calls for but i think longino should be your long guy off the bench and i think armstrong should most certainly be the number two guy uh in terms of minutes from there so i, I do like i do like those yeah all right so on the flip side what makes you think that this team cannot make a run in the big east tournament Offense, 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 shooting, shooting, shooting. It's just, it's just like real estate location, 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 right? <laughs> um, I, I just, I, there have been so many instances where they do go cold, um, where we've talked about, we do not agree with the game plan where it feels like that it's just too centric around the three point line. And when you get in, you know, in, in those big East tournament opportunities, you have to have to find ways to get to the basket and get those easy buckets because there are not going to be many of them. Uh, throughout the game so I until I see a more cohesive approach on offense um, I still have that lingering thought in my head well what happens if again even with Villanova's improved defense they go up against a better offensive team and go five minutes without a bucket well that's great against Butler who's not going to hurt you but against Marquette you know you go five minutes without a bucket they can score 12 in that now you got to dig yourself out of that hole and that is what scares me yeah, and then to take it a step even further, mine is specifically late game execution. Yes. Because as excited we are, as excited as we are about Whitmore taking a huge leap, it feels like of late, of more coming back, of the defense's improvement, I am still not confident that the coaching staff and the players on the field, on the court, I'm sorry, I was 
talking about baseball and spring training all day. Hey, long yeah, time. exactly. It's pitchers and catchers day. That's fine. Exactly. Uh, but I am not confident that the players and the coaching staff can execute a one possession game because frankly they haven't so far this season and i think it only takes one to move us in the right direction yes but that one has not come yet that's another thing we can look for in these last couple games does that happen and is villanova able to come out on top for it yeah because i think there's so much to say about what these three wins did for morale and i I remember i posed the question to you that rob from the full 40 thought whether these games had to be dominant performances or whether they just had to win. Villanova has proven time and time again that they can hang around with good teams. But think about what it will do for the morale and confidence of this team to finally win just one of those games that they've played so tough. Full four, full, the full 35 minutes has yeah. been beautiful at times. <laughs> it's that it's those last five minutes that have to turn around at, at least once to prove that this team's going to win one or two or three games in the tournament. Just win, baby. That's uh, that's what it comes down to here. Oh, yeah. Um, Something Providence is familiar with. You could say that for sure. To our Providence segment, what a, what a wild team, as with so they many really in are. this conference. I can't pin this team, man. I really can't. A 73-68 to 68 loss at St. John's? And then a 94 to 86, yeah, 86 double overtime win against Creighton. I think that is the perfect way to sum Providence up. It you is. cannot sum them up. <laughs> it's just as easy as that. They're a good team. They, they really are. So I don't want it to come off of when we say that as like, oh, this is an inconsistent team. You don't know what type of Providence you're going to get because they are a good. They are most certainly a good team. But I just I don't know what it is. I've watched this team so much this season and there I don't have a trust with them that I do with a Marquette, a Xavier or even a Creighton. Um, so it, it's it's very curious. The issue is that the game's at the amp and uh, Providence is 14 and 0 uh, at home this season. And, you know, we know from uh, from years past as well how difficult they are to beat out there, though, that game last year where Villanova did win with, with the Colin Gillespie three genuinely one of my favorite Villanova wins over probably the last five years was that game. So the the cats can do it. They were just led by their Mr. Everything last year Mm -hmm. in Colin Gillespie. You know, do they have a guy on the team this year that can step into that role, have a massive night um, or mid afternoon, actually, because it's a four 30 game on Saturday and, uh, and find a way to win it. I actually have more confidence that Villanova can win on the road against Xavier or Seton Hall that they can at Providence just because of that atmosphere. I don't feel great about Saturday. I don't. I think Providence, Providence's balance is extremely underrated. Yes. Bryce Hopkins can control a game. Carter has been. Devin Carter has been amazing lately. Yes. Phenomenal. And Croswell, I think is extremely underrated. He does not get enough credit for Mr. Everything role that he has underneath the basket. And then we know the Bynums and the Breeds and the Noah Locks, who's been shooting incredibly well. So they just have so many guys. That's that's the mainstay for a team like Marquette or Xavier. That's all we talk about in Creighton, too. But Providence truly has a ton of different guys. It was Bynum against Villanova the first time around. I would not be surprised at all if it's Devin Carter or Bryce Hopkins this yeah. time around. No, I, I agree. I mean, just look at Bryce Hopkins. His last two games, he's combined for 49 points. Yeah. Um, like the the man's an absolute monster, as you said. Devin Carter's been great. I'm still uh annoyed, we'll go with that word, uh, to be PG, um, by Jared Bynum's performance against Villanova because <laughs> Bynum has not been good this year. No. He, he I know he's dealt with injuries, but this has been a pretty big step back for him from last year. And then what does he do? Of course, he comes out and he torches Nova. Um yeah. At Wells Fargo and is the reason why Providence won that first game. So what I can say is that that game against Providence should inspire hope that Nova can win because Villanova was very much not firing on all cylinders there and had an opportunity to win it if it wasn't for Bynum basically not missing a shot uh, in the second half. They held Bryce Hopkins to just 13. They held Devin Carter yeah. to 12. No, you do that on Saturday afternoon. You're going to feel pretty good uh, about your opportunity for what you can do there, you know, Justin Moore, of course, what that was game one uh, of Justin Moore coming back. So, you know, he was incredibly rusty there. There are reasons to believe for Villanova going in to the amp on Saturday. It's just Providence hasn't lost there and usually doesn't. So uh, that's the intriguing storyline. So I don't think this is a complete mismatch by any means. Uh, Nova has a chance. It's, it's a tough draw. 
No, they've played them. They played them tough once. And they I always do. It's a four thirty game, which is better than a seven thirty game in Villanova's favor. Yeah, less time drinking out there, so we'll take <laughs> exactly. It. <laughs> Though they may start uh, at six a.m. My now brother may bad. disagree. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. 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 No, I think Jar- I think Jared Bynum's similar to um, more for the players on Villanova. Like he makes a lot of guys better. He facilitates the offense really well. But interestingly, Coach Cooley has not been playing Bynum down the stretch. So that just shows you how much of a plethora of resources they have. I'm curious about Villanova's three-point defense. We've obviously spent a lot of time today talking about how much of an improvement it's been on that side of the floor. It's because they haven't played a team like Providence yet. Because something I think that was really interesting is that Villanova would simultaneously press up against the three-point line and not let any opponents have open shots. But then they would also kind of sag in a zone so that the big guys couldn't dominate underneath. Mm. Providence is better at both of those things than Seton Hall, DePaul, and Butler. So they're not going able, they're not going to be able to pack the paint because Noah Locke's going to torch them from three otherwise. They're not going to be able to press the three-point line because you're going to see cutters and Hopkins and big men down low like Croswell dominating. So it's going to take a intricate and special game from Villanova to win this game on the road. I'm worried about it, but I still think it can be close. That's, I guess, my highest expectation for this game, just keeping it close. So what's interesting with Providence, at least as you identify the three-point line, is that we do think the Villanova three-point defense has been better, and I I most certainly believe it has. They don't have too many guys that can consistently hurt you from there. Like, it is Noah Locke. That is the guy uh, at 38% that will hurt you the most there. And then the other one that I'm very intrigued to see how they play this is Bryce Hopkins, who yep. also shoots at, at shoot. 38%. And I do not believe that Eric Dixon is going to draw him all that often. I think Dixon will find himself on Crosswell, which means it's going to be Slater and Whitmore, really, with Hopkins. Um, it could be very fun to see a Hopkins and Whitmore, two young players, to uh, to see how they, they guard each other uh, on the both perimeter and interior. I'm curious if Neptune opts for more of Slater to try and take him and use that physical frame and some of that knowledge that we know Slate does to with his anticipation to try and get steals and force guys into bad positions. I think that is a big cat and mouse game. And one that I will be watching the most is how Nova wants to play the wing game with Hopkins, because as I just listed off, the guy scored 49 points combined in his last two games. He's a stud. So he he's absolutely going to be a focal point here on Saturday. How do they want to approach it? You know, what, what do they think is going to work best to put him in difficult positions? Yeah, and it just shows how good he is because I think you can pretty confidently say that the Slater-Whitmore duo beat Hopkins in Villanova's loss the first time around. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that we're still so we're still spending so much time talking about it because he's just that good and poses that many issues for Villanova. But you'll remember that this was Whitmore's first show-me game in, in quite a bit at the Wells Fargo Center. Before that happened, we definitely had large concerns about Whitmore's impact. He went out and scored 20. He was a beast. Yeah, yeah, he was great that night. Nine rebounds too. So it's, Do it again. I love that. I'm looking at, at uh, Cam and Slater. I'm looking at more offensively. And of course the, the game planning for Col- for Cooley versus Neptune is going to be fun to watch. Yeah. For, for Villanova to win this game, Cam is my guy that I identify. Yeah. It's, it's gotta be, he's gotta be smart on defense with foul trouble. He's got to cool it on the turnovers and get to the damn basket. Use yeah. your strength. No uh, show me threes, please, yeah, please, please. Maybe one step back three, but that's it. That's enough. Then you're cut off. You've hit your limit. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's, choose it wisely. <laughs> exactly. Then let's get to the bucket. So I, I, he is the guy that I really want to watch on Saturday. Yep. I feel the same way. I'm excited for it. It's going to be a big one. Always is in Nova Providence. Let's do some mailbag questions because we got some good ones. People always show out when we need them most. I'm and quite excited. I, I was I was happy with the mailbag today. I mean, I just feel like it's good to do a mailbag again because what? It's been two straight weeks of those yeah. 8.30 games on Wednesday night. So we've Quick had the recaps. late recordings and mm-hmm. it's awkward to ask for questions because people, you know, you, your focus is on the game. It's not on. It's not on questions when uh, when it's one of those. So we're happy to, to do these again. So we'll kick things off with our man, Big Tasty. Bigger underachiever relative to expectation slash ceiling. Villanova this year or the Huskies this year? I thought this was an interesting question because I actually don't think UConn has underachieved. 
I know that's a blanket statement and I know it is probably incorrect based on where they were in January, if not December. I can't remember yes. when they Dece- started. Yes, December was when December. they were on fire. Yeah. yeah. Um, But we thought UConn was going to pretty much stink at the beginning of the season. We had no idea where their scoring was going to come from because they lost so many key contributors from last year. Yeah, I think I had their everybody, fifth in the conference. Right. Now, actually, they're below that, which is funny. But <laughs> every Well, the fact that they might have to play on Wednesday or Thursday is, is or early Thursday is pretty crazy based yeah. on where they were. But I think Villanova has underachieved because our expectations were just way too high at the beginning of the season pair that with the injury concerns we've talked about that a ton but that that is my I guess you can call it hot take I don't think UConn has largely underachieved I think they got really really hot and they've come back down to earth do a lot of teams want to face them I still think that answer is pretty firmly no both in the Big East tournament and NCAA tournament I'm still afraid of UConn like I know I know we all like to make fun of them and and the struggles that they've had and I most certainly uh, enjoy doing it too. But if push came to shove, like I, I don't want to match up w- with this Huskies team because there is a lot of talent there. Um, you know, I think a lot of this depends on when you take this question from, because as your point, you know, if you're talking about this and where UConn was in December to where they are now, that is a, a huge fall from grace uh, from the dominance that we were seeing. But if we're looking at it directly like this, uh, you know, I remember that that first episode of the season, my my expectation was or not expectation, but how I framed Villanova was a sweet 16 appearance would be a great season mm-hmm. for, for the Cats. Now getting into the NCAA tournament would be a great season for the Cats. So I, I still making it to Friday night. Yeah, I'd love to make it to Friday night in the Big East tournament. Yeah. I will be thrilled with that. So I, I still think in that sense, you go Villanova because I'm very impressed with what UConn was able to do with the talent that they lost. Yeah, they've also had one bad loss, and that's to St. John's. They've lost on the road to really good Big so East bad. teams. <laughs> right, like they lost to Seton Hall, which maybe isn't that great of a loss, but they're, they're losing to the Creighton, Xavier's, Providence's, and Marquette's, and I don't think anybody's embarrassed about that by any stretch. Yeah, they haven't lost to Portland or to Paul. Um, oh, ouch. Or Butler. I'll die on that hill. You will. Yes, you will. You will. <laughs> no, it's fun when we go back with that. Um, yeah. No, good question there. Um, Mark Paris asks, is filthy basketball good basketball? If it results in a win, then yeah. I mean, Emma nailed it. If it, you are not watching the prettiest Villanova basketball you've ever seen right now, but if they win games, I think that's all any of us care about. Three straight, baby. From our friend Chris from the Full 40. By the way, I ran into Chris uh, at the Seton Hall game on Saturday. So nice. got to see him uh, and to- our man Tommy G uh, at halftime, which is always fun when I run into those guys. His question, and by the way, if you don't listen to them, please do. Um, next five games, what is your expectation? What is your ask? And what is your belief? Three very different things. And Chris knows that better than anybody. <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh, you want to go back and forth about each each three? Well, how do you want to split this? Sure. Here? Yeah, absolutely. So start with expectation. My expectation is that they play all five games close. I, I would be disappointed if they lost any of these games by double digits. That is my true expectation. Oh, you don't want to give any record uh, record prediction on that one? Mm, expectation? You know how much I hate giving uh, win-loss, but I think for I know, this question, a... we kind of have to. All right. All right. I think they go... Two and three. We I think they win. My expectation is two and three as well. Yeah. I think they win at Seton Hall and versus Creighton. So that I, they bookend it with losses. I think they win at Seton Hall and then find a way. I can't tell you which one, but find a way to win one of those other games. Yeah. Um that that is my expectation um for it. But as we went through the schedule, very difficult. Uh what is your ask? Okay, then I guess my ask is what I said first, that they keep, <laughs> that they keep all these games close. Is that is that good enough? Sure. My ask is that they go three and two. Find a okay. way to to really prove something, uh, you know, get that road win. My real ask is to get a road win uh, yeah. for a quad one True. win. Um, well, that should be the baseline. Yes, but go. my ask would be to go three and two. My hope is four and two. Okay. What do you got there? Yeah, I yeah my my belief i mean it kind of lines up with my expectation i i believe they will go two and three yeah um and i just ask for more than that so yeah 
we'll, we'll see. But I, I love, I love that type of question. Yeah. Um, and I also, just to, to, to say this, I don't think you would be chastised for saying that they could win one. Truly. I, I think it's going no. to take a lot for Villanova to steal one of those road games or even beat Creighton or UConn at home. Those are huge asks. See, I think our expectations are really high because of this three game win streak, but that that's a huge ask for them to win even one of those games. See now, before everyone goes at me for being negative, as I, as I always hear, I did notice how I did not say one and four anywhere in there. Right. Just just please please take notice of that, um, because <laughs> yes, it absolutely crossed my mind, but I wasn't going to oh, say. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, we're going to close with Jerry. So we'll have a question comes in from Jack McCall. Um, you know, kind of talking about how this team can be a, a little similar to what we've seen from some of Jay's team uh, in the past, where there have been, especially over the last three games, we've seen a slow start, and then they're able to get themselves over the line in the second half due to some adjustments. Is that a good thing that they're able to kind of overcome that? I'm, I'm interested in your opinion there. This was the question that I was foreshadowing a little bit at the beginning. I don't think it is objectively good. I do not like when the game is tied at three at the under. 14 minute mark it felt like against yeah. Seton Hall and I don't Tennis think it felt like that I think it yeah, was it that it literally <laughs> was and then yeah same thing against uh Butler a little bit yes it's good that they can finish we've we've talked about that so much just the the morale boost that it brings to beat one of these teams finally and for the defense to step up and limit points in the second half is big but I don't even think Jay Wright would would like that summation of of Jay Wright's teams to start slow and finish strong because I think you want to start fast, especially against the caliber of opponents that Villanova is facing. All of those teams are offensive juggernauts. So Villanova can't afford to start off slow unless their defense is really going to bring it. But I do think generally the defense getting better means it's going back to Jay Wright's style of basketball, which is definitely a positive. Yeah. Um, oof. Uh, I, I, the slow starts are an issue. Um, they just are, and they really scare me. I mean, just go back to the last couple of games. There's 12 points in the first 10 minutes against DePaul, seven points in the first 10 minutes against Seton Hall, and 11 points in the first 10 minutes uh, against Butler. While, as you mentioned, you know, with the defensive improvements, you can at least mitigate uh, how much of an issue that can be. You are still really setting yourself up for some danger if you right. struggle to get into any sort of rhythm early and you go four minutes into the game you know, shooting one for eight that I feel like we see so often uh, for this Villanova team. Uh, on the positive side, I do think we've seen a couple more second half adjustments from this team recently, as we had seen for, you know, a portion of the season here. But while I think you can try and run with the spin zone of, you know, they, they're able to overcome adversity and and, and find a way to win off of that, at some point and at many points this season that the slow stars are just our killer. And, you know, the first the score in the first 10 minutes of the game still very much has an impact on how this thing ends up. So right. um, you, you got to come out and attack. And it's something this team has certainly struggled with, you know, many a times this season. Totally agree. Yep. And then we will finish up, of course, with our man, Jerry Quinn, for our last three questions here. <laughs> I love that he starts with this one. Uh, how could you not laugh at the Nova York meme? That was put out this week, and that is, of course, in reference to Jalen Brunson, Josh Hart, and Mikael Bridges now playing for New York NBA teams. People are catching on, Jerry. Villanova's catching on. People they, are finally starting to see it. They they really are. So first off, it was so cool. I did watch that game on Monday night. I'm um, so too. bummed I missed it. Yeah, yeah, between the Knicks and the Nets. It was a blast to see those three guys out there. Jalen and Josh combined for 67, by the way, which is just obscene Brunson's uh, been on a tear since being snubbed too uh yes yeah, yes he most certainly has because I've seen a ton of their games um it's just that's it's awesome uh New York uh meaning Nick fans are already falling in love with Josh Hart you know they know Jalen Brunson from this season Josh has been there for like what three games um and I think Nick fans are already seeing all the intangibles that this guy brings and, and how just solid and well-rounded of a basketball player he is Mikhail's gonna be great in Brooklyn you know it's a tough situation we know what the Kevin Durant thing um but we know how good of a player he is and actually as we record this on Wednesday night yet again there are three Villanova players on the floor here as the Knicks are taking on the Atlanta Hawks so it's Jalen so cool. and Josh against their old friend Sadiq actually I say old friend they never played together but off of uh off of villanovans so uh villanova in the nba has been very cool and especially with the knicks 
you know, to be able to watch Jalen and Josh together uh, is uh, has been so cool. And I've loved yeah. every second of it. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. How do we win at the, I love that he capitalized the dunk. Jerry will not call this thing the amp <laughs> on Saturday. About the same thing. Yeah, he's adamant about it. Yes. The dunk was the best name. I, I love that. Um, and who needs to step up for us to have a chance to win? Yeah, I like your I like your cam pick. I think defensively, the Hopkins assignment is the toughest on the court. And when he adds that type of firepower to the offense, this team raises another level. I'd love to see another big offensive performance from Moore, but but Whitmore is my guy for this one. Yeah, Whitmore is my guy too. And I think we went through the rest of it uh, earlier. And then last question from Jerry, and then I actually have to double back for a question from Chris uh, to, to finish it out. How confident are you that we start the Big East tournament on Wednesday night? If we win four out of the next five, could mm. we start on Thursday? Jerry. Jerry, Confident yeah, enough that off. I already got my ticket. So let's not speak that into existence, to be honest <laughs> with you. Uh, yeah, I, I do think a boring basically an act of God um, Villanova will be playing on, on Wednesday night here, uh, right? They are currently the seven seed right now. Um, interestingly enough, they're only one game behind UConn and one game ahead of St. John. So things can most certainly change around a little bit, but even with that, you know, if they swapped places with those teams, um, you know, and got to the six or the eight, they're still playing on Wednesday. Right. So they would have to get up to the five, in order to push their first game uh, onto Thursday. And I just, I, it's just two game lead for Seton Hall uh, on that. You know, now you could say Villanova can beat them head to head there and sweep, you know, there are all these things, but with the tough end to the schedule that Nova has, I'm not sure that it's that likely. So I feel pretty good that no matter what happens, whether it's the six, seven, eight seed, um, Villanova is going to be playing on Wednesday night yeah. to kick this thing off. We'd obviously love to see them go on a stretch here, but logistically, that's the correct answer. There is not a lot of room to jump a team nearly four games above you. So no, yeah. no, no, uh, certainly not. And then I say we have to get back to this because it actually lines up very nicely with Jerry's question here. It is from Chris from the full 40. Can Nova fans reasonably start buying Big East tournament Thursday night mm. session tickets? I am. Again, you're basing it on me here. <laughs> I'm confident about Wednesday, Thursday. I am extremely uh, hesitant about Friday, Saturday, as much as I would absolutely love that. I am confident that Villanova can win on Wednesday, especially if that game ends up being against DePaul, which yep. if it ended right now, it would be. It, it will be against game. DePaul. It will. Yeah. I, there's, I will be shocked if either Georgetown or Butler loses um, or wins enough. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, and then I'm confident that that game would be against Marquette most likely. I think, again, there's more shakeup at the top than we'll see at the bottom. I think Villanova has a chance to beat Marquette. They've shown that they can hang in versus, you know, Xavier, Providence, Creighton, and so forth. I'm, I'm confident about Thursday, and that's that's just about where I'm where I'm at there. Yeah, I, I mean, looking at this... Villanova, I say that it's going to be DePaul. That's if Villanova locks into the seven, which I think mm -hmm. is the most likely thing that happens. But your opponents that the Cats will most likely be going up against are, you know, uh, in any order, DePaul, Georgetown, Butler, you know, maybe a St. John's if things go really bad for them. Of those opponents, I, I do think that Villanova can win that game. Um, so if you're looking to buy Thursday tickets, um, the hope would be that Villanova's there, of course. Now, as Emma said, I'm not sure how far you can look past that because say Villanova is the seven seed, they play the two seed. You know, I believe Xavier's going to end up being your two seed. We know that's a difficult matchup, though we will get to see the Cats battle it out with X um, next week at Cintas. So, um, but Wednesday night-wise, I, I, as this team continues to progress, as the defense gets better, you know, I, you believe they can win a game and then let's roll the dice there on Thursday, see if yep. they can get the Friday. Totally. And shout out to the fluffy Buffaloes. Thank you. They Thank asked you for us saying a question. That. I think we answered it, but we're hopeful that they can string two wins together in this stretch, this really tough stretch. Make sure you are subscribed here because we have some very exciting content coming up that we cannot wait to get to. And I'm hopeful that this is not the last positive episode of the season, Pat. Because according to Ken Palm, I think it is. Uh, according to Ken Palm, it definitely <laughs> is. Um, so we're going to hope for some more some more victories, victory podcasts for us yeah. to do. And I just want to shout out the Fluffy Buffalo for listening because, whoa, yeah. what a name. Awesome. <laughs> exactly. All right. That'll do it for us here on the State of the Nova Nation podcast presented by VU Hoops. 
Be sure to check out VUHoops.com all season long for all of your Villanova content. Follow us on Spotify, subscribe to the show on iTunes, and follow us on Twitter at S-O-N-N-Pod. We are going into the weekend. We are going into President's Day weekend. I hope everyone has a great end to the week. I hope everyone has an awesome weekend. Enjoy the game on Saturday. Go to the Villanova-UConn women's game at the Finneran Pavilion on Saturday if you are around. We will talk to you on Tuesday. Nova Nation, that's a wrap.